expectations. Much better. Flawless <laughs> execution. The execution there. I mean, that was just uh, that, that's what you practice for, right? Elite. <laughs> we are running like a fine oiled machine, fellas. I mean, we're like two seasons. Two years in. Two years. I don't know what episode this is. Like fifteen or sixteen. My numbering's all sorts of messed up this season. It's fifteen it's, for this season, but it's probably 15. like our thirtieth one overall, somewhere around there. Probably. We oh. have five off season episodes, so that's twenty. Yeah. And then sixteen so. last season. Yeah, we're around like we're we're around like thirty five, forty. Yeah, man. We are cruising. We did fifteen last we did fifteen in season one. This is fifteen of season two, and then we did five off season so we're at 35 man listen to all those numbers wow you really just gotta love numbers the boys are just buzzing absolutely buzzing right now who would have thought who would have thought look at us who would have thought we would have kept this up so wow welcome welcome back to friends and low expectations season two episode 15 uh what what a much tumultuous week we've had i mean it's been quite the quite an interesting week uh just all across the board and i mean obviously Ending on a pretty in, I don't know, insane Monday night. Uh, I don't think that anyone was expecting, um, but uh, here we are. The, it's kind of put a damper on all things football, fantasy football related. For those of you uh, who may not have heard uh, by now, the safety for the uh, the Bills, Demar Hamlin, suffered cardiac arrest on on field after taking a hit. Um, had to be resuscitated on the field, um, taken to a hospital, and is in critical condition. And that's kind of really set the a somber mood, uh, not only across the NFL but really the the world uh, for those people who are um, following the sport, and even those who aren't. So, uh, at the end of the day, fantasy football really doesn't matter. Uh, the life and well-being of, of Demar is pro- obviously. Uh, most important in this situation. So uh, I think I can speak for almost all of us here that our thoughts are, are with him and his family and uh, hopefully he gets back to full health. And uh, if he's able, hope to see him back out on the field. So uh, yeah, just uh, wanted to, to start off with, with just that uh, thinking, uh, thinking about him and like I said, his family. So, but uh yeah. On a more positive note, Joe, we're happy to have you here to, to kind of chat through this season with us, our <laughs> seventh place champion uh, in the league. What, is, what a terrible way to introduce Joe. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Second place in a row running seventh place champion. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, could be uh, a lot better. Yeah, could be Joe, a lot worse. Joe's, Joe's Just quick out there. Somebody almost died the yesterday. Place. And speaking of almost died, <laughs> Joe's team finished in seventh. Speaking of almost dying, have you seen Joe's fantasy record the last two years? And here's Joe. Seventh place. I'll take it for what it is, and I'll move on. <laughs> were you, were you, Joe, did yeah. you finish seventh last year as well? Exact same situation. Two wins last year. Advanced <laughs> out of the last. first round. Dead played last. Mo. Played Mo in the seventh place and won seventh place again. So It's safe to say you have Mo's number. It's just uh, I don't I don't think he's got the got what it takes to beat you. Um, you so, are the Utah to his USC. Before we, this is, uh, you are not a thought. I just want to I just thought about this. You are not a thought because he's the moderator of thoughts and he cannot moderate Joe. Can't moderate so, me. Wow, 
Joe, not a thought confirmed. Just so, uh, let's do that for a I guess before we dive into a lot of other things, Joe, do you think you would have beaten Mo on a full roster uh, two-week matchup, not your 360 no-scope, 1v1 on Rust deal that you guys are kind of doing? It would have been interesting because I ran – I didn't actually calculate, but I just kind of glimpsed over the numbers. And, of course, when I'm ever I'm actually out of any contention and anything important, my team decides to go off because I had – those two weeks, I had Devontae Smith and Justin Jefferson just put up, I think, 30 points each, I think back-to-back. Um, so it would actually have been a very interesting two-week full matchup. Um, but, again, I'm the uh, toilet, bowl, toilet bowl god. So, see me in the toilet bowl. <laughs> you don't want no to see the Regular season, you, you have it. But toilet bowl, it's, it's my domain. Regular season, Joe's the Denver Broncos. Toilet Bowl, he's Russell Wilson versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Show some life. <laughs> Not quite enough. <laughs> oh, man. So, Joe, last time you were on the show, you had a prepared statement that you wanted to read um, for, you know, I think it started with, <laughs> I am unwell or something along those lines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you? One have of the you, greatest moments you, in file history. Yeah, and this was after I, I don't think Philly noticed. We had a roast. Um, would you like some time on the floor to address the friends of low expectations, listeners, and league members uh, about your season? I think this year I'm a little bit uh, in a better situation. I don't have anything prepared, and we're just kind of going off the cuff here because I think the timing of it all. Uh, last year, I think I was in. I was like the second or third guest, so it was. It was mid-season. It was mid, mid-turmoil. So you caught me at a bad time there. And now that we're here, now that the toilet bowl has come and gone, and even though I've had two wins, I've avoided you know the, uh, the punishment. I'm in a bit, a bit more better situation. So nothing uh, as extreme as last year. Things still aren't very well, as some might say. <laughs> but they're uh, looking a little bit better than they were last year when I read that great statement. Well, I'm glad your spirits are high because uh, <laughs> the opening statement from last year was just a classic. I mean, well, things are not well, <laughs> and things—I think things only got worse from that point until, like I said, right at the end of the season. And then, actually, I don't even. Well, I think you—I don't know if you beat me going right into the playoffs or what. What the case was, um, but I don't think it got worse because it was at an all-time low anyway. So there's no going down from there. Yeah. Uh, the other question I had for you related to league positioning scores, all of that uh, matter. Do you, I mean, this is all hypothetical at this point, but had you not tinkered with the schedule, do you think that you'd be in the situation that you are? There's a part of me that wishes I recorded the right the schedule for what it was before we changed it but there's also part of me that just wants to let that what what is it saying let that dog lie or whatever it is i'm glad i didn't yeah i didn't i'm glad i didn't bring that back and didn't keep that because i could have been two losses i could have been in the championship right now probably not but uh that's a road i don't care to go down at this point we'll take it for what it is and uh just move on. I will say there's no way to see that. Uh, I don't know if I can look at that. I don't know if I can see the revision history on that, but 
Um, I will say this related to schedule scores, standings, outcomes. Um, I was looking at the, the, so probably if you listen to the podcast, you may have heard of me talk about uh, the website I was using that was calculating, um, you know, playoff uh, potential for uh, teams making the playoffs, you know, power rankings, things like that. It also showed uh, what your, what your results would have been if you'd played other team schedules in the league. And if you, if the only way that you finish two and 10 in the regular season is with your current schedule. If you had had any other team schedule in the league this season, you would have been like, I think like, I mean, I think the most common outcome was like four wins or five wins, but there was a few where you would have had like almost a 500 record of like six and six or six and seven. I I don't know what the, I think it's 12 weeks. So six and six would have been, was like the highest you would have finished and that potentially puts you in playoff position. So, I mean, again, you, you did a masterful job of creating your own demise. Um, not that, I don't know if that's something to be proud of or not, but uh, you know, some people just have a skill for it. You're the sixth highest scoring uh, team in points four over the course of the season. Yeah, we I think all it was... agreed on it. Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, I think it was clear that my team was about, middle of the row uh you know with the points for i was right there in the middle of the predicted out- outcomes of certain schedules i could have been right in the middle um had a decent lineup uh and we can break into that more at some later time but nothing uh nothing stellar but i don't think two and ten reflects what my team really was yeah, yeah same joe yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think my last place finish <laughs> reflects how good my team really was either. <laughs> uh, what I was gonna say was I think we uh, we all joked but um, somewhat agreed at the very beginning of the season when Joe uh, when Joe got the green light to switch the schedule that uh, there was an asterisk if it didn't want if it didn't go our way. So you know, Joe, uh, you've got your asterisk, and uh, Sam, if you end up uh, winning the title, it's. You know, this is this is your bubble fraud championship. You know, yeah, uh, I got to get there first. I got to get there first. Mickey Mouse rings. <laughs> this is your, your your Mickey Mouse bowl. Yeah, and when he goes from uh, worst to first, it's a little bit more fraudulent. So keep that mm-hmm. in mind. I agree. I agree. Yeah, something's up when the commissioner of the league goes from spending fourteen hours in a Waffle House to winning the league, potentially. 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 Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I, I certainly uh, in the league championship game. That's uh, that much is for certain. <laughs> that is confirmed. Yeah, confirmed <laughs> that that is confirmed. Game. I, uh, you know, I just, I just break down. I just, I, I put everything to a vote. So, you know, I can't say that it's my, my undoing. You guys, you guys empowered me to do this. I am a steward of the people. I am, you know, I'm a, a fair and democratic commissioner i am no roger goodell i don't get booed at the draft i think i think inevitably we'll talk about this but i uh i i have i have a lot of thoughts about how the game last night played out um specifically with the nfl's initial decision to like resume play in five minutes after the guy was wheeled off the not wheeled um taking an ambulance off the field. Um, we'll save that for a little bit later. But um, I think the NFL really botched it last night. 
well, um, in a couple of different a, ways. I was, I was reading an announcement per, I think it was Troy Vincent, who's the VP of player operations. Is that right? Can someone? Yes. I thought he was, uh, uh, I thought he was head of operations. I thought he was head of the NFL Players Association. No, he's, no, he's something. Troy Vincent's he, the, he's the game day ops, basically. Yeah. He was uh, either him or they released in a statement that there was that was like the five minutes thing was never never actually a thing. So I think that was just Troy Aikman and Joe Buck doing Troy Aikman and Joe Buck things, or it's the NFL trying to cover their ass. One or the other. Right? I think it's I think it's the NFL covering their ass. But uh, yeah, I don't know because um, both teams both immediately after he left the field, both teams went back to their sideline. Mm-hmm. Um. And no one left the field until Zach Taylor went over and started talking to Sean McDermott. And it was after they had like a quick huddle and then the officials came over that the two teams left the field, went back to their respective locker rooms. So yeah, I think the evidence, the evidence is there that says they, the NFL told them to resume the game and both teams were like, no, we're not doing this. Um, and yeah, I just I have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings about it. It's um, yeah, I don't know. Well, with, with that in said, mind, and he said, frankly, the competitive aspect never crossed my mind, never crossed our mind internally. He said the goal was to get a pulse on how the players and coaches were dealing with the situation. He added that he was in constant communication with Roger Goodell, along with NFL Players Association, uh, DeMarie Smith, and the two head coaches. It was really about Demar and making sure. Look, I've never seen anything like it since I've been playing. So immediately my player hat went on. How do you resume playing when such a traumatic event occurs in front of you in real time? And that's the way we were thinking about it, the commissioner and I. So that was that was Troy Vincent's quote. I'm with quote. you, Keith. That was Troy Vincent's quote. I, I'm with you, Keith. Like, I mean, it's it's either the truth or it's the NFL covering their ass. You know, I would I would like to know if. If it was said, if the ref said it, because um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if Troy Aikman and Joe Buck would would just say out of nowhere that they were given five minutes. So was it a miscommunication from the uh, the officiating crew that because they would be in they would be in communication with the TV crew to plan time uh, TV timeouts and stuff like that. You know, was it a conversation with them like, hey, they have you know you have five minutes until we come back to play, and that's what got levied up to the the broadcasters um but was that an actual like i don't think we'll ever really know the truth of that but i agree with you Hmm. keith that it it felt um like until zach taylor walked across that field like the priority wasn't on damar hamlin or on these teams or um you know on these the clearly traumatic event that had just happened to to everybody in the field and it felt more like, how do we get the product going? And that's a fair, that's a fair question. How do you get the product going when you like, that's a, that's a fair question to ask that eventually landed on, we don't get the product going, which is the right answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I also, there's, you know, we work in crisis management and there's times where you have to kind of follow the protocol and, and you've got in your mind what the next, the end goal should be, which is you know, hopefully to get this game resumed. And then you that's the goal you're reaching towards, but then you realize a little bit into it, like that's not going to be a realistic goal anymore. Um, the goal is going to be to get everybody, you know, home safely and um, right. Well, I know, think in front of a counselor or whatever. Right, and I think I think my I, I wouldn't fault anybody for 
for saying like, hey, let's, you know, before, after he collapsed, before anybody really knew what happened, because as it was reported, it sounded like, it sounded like DeMar Hamlin's heart didn't stop until the ambulance had showed up. And they were just, they were having some concerns and the ambulance came in, they were going to stretch him out. And then it sounds like when the, when the ambulance got there is when his heart stopped and they put him back on the ground and started administering CPR and they did so for a few minutes. I, had I read... don't blame anybody for in the moments leading up to that thinking, Hey, how do we get the game back rolling? Because injuries happen all the time. It's a, it's, it's a, it is an unfortunate part of the game. Um, you know, before anybody knew what it was, hey, it could have just been a couple broken ribs. You know, he took a he took a, a shoulder pad to the chest. You know, I'm sure most people just figured he probably got the wind knocked out of him really good, and maybe you know he has a, a broken rib or two. Um, but the moment that you start administering CPR, first of all, from a medical perspective, you don't do CPR unless somebody's heart has stopped, unless they're you know like clinically dead, and so. When you start administering CPR, the moment you start doing that, the, the the focus has to shift away from how do we get the product going back to like drop everything and let's try and resolve the situation as best we can from a medical perspective. And by by everything that happened on the field, it could have been Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman saying, hey, you know, the NFL has told us, hey, we got five minutes to warm up. Um, but by the look of everything that transpired after the ambulance took DeMar away, every indication was that the intent was to resume the game. Um, and it wasn't until a few minutes, even after that, that both the coaches huddled together and they just decided to take their players off the field. And I think in, and I think they forced the NFL's hand by just leaving the field. And rather than the NFL doing what they should have done, which, you know, after you have a player whose heart stops on the field, um, which is just say football is not what we're doing tonight. Like, People, fans paid to come to this game, millions of fans watching around the world. Um, but that's that's all secondary. So I think that's just where, where my beef comes in here. I think another piece that I had read that played into like the delay of calling the game two. Uh, so obviously they got him into the they got him into the ambulance and then they took the ambulance out of the out of the stadium. Uh, once it got out of the stadium, they had to wait to get his mom, who was in attendance, they were getting her into the ambulance as well and wherever from wherever she was at. So that took time. And they, they apparently delayed canceling the game because if they had canceled it whenever the ambulance was still waiting there, they were concerned that with like 50,000 people leaving the stadium and getting to their cars, there could have been increased traffic of getting him from the stadium to the hospital. And so apparently that was part of the reason they waited a little bit longer to to actually announce that they were canceling the game just so that they could make sure that the ambulance was en route to uh, University of Cincinnati uh, Hospital. So again, I don't know where that all falls into place, but uh, I'm sure that was probably part of the consideration in terms of delaying it. And just to play, I guess, devil's advocate for the NFL, uh, we saw, I mean, more or less literally the exact situ- same situation with the uh, Euro 2020 with Christian Eriksen, where this exact same situation happened. He went into cardiac arrest, CPR, he had to go to the hospital, on and on and on. And they have these stipulations, I think, probably built in to you say when you say, hey, if a scenario like this happened, maybe you don't expect as extreme. 
uh, we're going to have this where we're going to delay the game for a bit. Everyone's going to get warmed back up and we're going to get back out there and play. But uh, those stipulations are built in for something you don't think as extreme as this. And so they're probably just going by the stipulations, the, you know, the rules they have built in. And then when you get into that situation and you say, okay, so this is a bit more extreme than what we have built into our plans already. We don't, we're, we're kind of just playing sure. things off the cuff as we go along. That's what we saw with the, the, again, the year of 2020, it happened and they were expecting, okay, we're going to get back in a little bit. Okay. We're going to get back out later tonight, blah, blah, blah. And they were just kind of playing things as I go along. So uh, you can plan all you want, but in a situation like this, you can't plan at all enough to be mm -hmm. prepared for this. So um, obviously I'm sure they're playing it as they go along and um, it seems they ended up making the right decision. Maybe it could have been handled a little bit better, you know, piece by piece as they went along, but it seemed they were just playing on the fly as they went. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, I think I agree with you, Joe. I think, you know, I think like, again, like I was saying earlier, you gotta, you gotta do what you can and, you've got kind of a road, a, a general roadmap, but every situation is different. And you kind of just got to think on your feet. And, uh, you know, Sam, you made a great point about the, the traffic leaving the stadium. And so there's things that you don't initially think about. Uh, and the NFL is an easy target. Uh, they're a gigantic corporation that has basically a monopoly on this sport at the professional level um, and uh, have made a lot of questionable decisions in the past. Um, and so there's, you know, there's a reason for that for for that um uh the hatred or the or the you know the kind of immediate um casting aside of what they did but i think the the other thing to me that's um difficult in this is for t higgins um you know like it, it's not his fault right like, like i mean you've got a time the crown of your helmet hitting someone's chest at the exact moment that this you know, ventricle valve is opening. It's not, I mean, technically it's his fault, but it's not his fault, right? But that's got to be a, um, there's got to be a lot of emotional burden on his shoulders to say, like, I, my hit caused him to go into cardiac arrest and, you know, nearly killed him. Mate, you know, he's, seems like he's doing a bit better now, but, um, I feel, I feel bad for, for him and, um, and what he had to go through last night, you know, just as the, the Bills players were upset about, you know, their, their teammate on the ground, I can't imagine what he was going through, you know, being the kind of the instigator of that, of that incident. Well, uh, that obviously I, played a I, do, I do want to say uh, two hours ago, um, I don't know who this guy is, but Josh Reed um, on Twitter said that he just spoke with DeMar Hamlin's uncle. DeMar was originally on 100% oxygen is now down to 50% says the family's hanging in there um, and I thanked everyone for their support. But so that's, I mean, I don't know a lot about, you know, being in the ICU, but um, the decrease in, in oxygen sounds like a promising note. So. Yeah. And if yeah. I could not to uh, put too much on top of the conversation we already had, but not that they're going to be hearing this, but props to like the medical staff of yeah. either team or the independent, I think it was independent uh, medical staff that was out there as well. Because where the NFL has time to kind of play things step by step as they go along, they did not. And they had to act the exact second that they did. And to even act in that scenario, uh, to me, is unfathomable. But they did so. And where the fight is still ongoing for um, Hamlin, you know, they acted quick enough and 
smart enough to uh, potentially save his life. So, again, not that they'll probably hear this, but you never know. Props to them and shout out to them for the job they did. Absolutely. Well, obviously that did impact our, our matchups, uh, at least the championship matchup from from last night. Uh, but we do have quite a quite a doozy of a of a matchup uh, going into week 18, and obviously pending uh, what happens with uh, the game if it's rescheduled or not. Um, Keith, you want to give a breakdown of uh, the championship matchup? Yeah, I had to clear my throat. Um, but yeah, we have a, a really really good one going right now. Um, we kind of figured that this would be. Um, one of the most, if not the most entertaining matchup of the season. And it's, uh, it's pretty fitting that we're getting this in the, um, in the championship round. So um, still no official announcement on whether or not the Bills Bengals game will get rescheduled. Um, as of right now, sleeper has it listed as a final score of three to seven. Um, but uh, with that in mind, um, a four point game, a little under a little over a four point game here. Um, Devontae's Inferno coming in at 143.12. Heinz on my Johnson, 147.88. Um, bit of, this, is, this is really unsurprising, but I think um, for me, the surprise here is where um, a lot of uh, Carl is getting his scoring from. I mean, just uh, an absolutely outstanding outing from Daniel Jones from a fantasy perspective. Um, a 40-point game there. A bit unsurprising um, with Christian McCaffrey, 31 points there. Um, C.D. Lamb with 21 um, TJ Hawkinson with a, a, a strong performance, you know, 12, uh, 13 points basically. Um, and then looking over at, uh, commission side of things, um, Patrick Mahomes, Jerick McKinnon, um, Jerick McKinnon was the guy we spent a lot of time talking about last week is, um, you know, the guy that Carl said would be the, the one to, um, to really hammer it to him in the absence of Derek Henry. And he certainly delivered on that. Thanks to, uh, 52 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Um, you know, he checks in with 22 points. And then, uh, of course, Chris, Chris Godwin um, had himself a, a really strong performance. Um, and then you get double digits from both your kicker and your defense. Um, so this is, this has been an entertaining one. And I think, uh, I think for me, the most interesting piece is definitely Chris Godwin and the Bucks really coming to life here. I think that could be one that ends up uh, swinging the matchup, um, potentially in the absence of um, Stefan Diggs as, um, we may not get those, uh, we may not get that game made up. Um, and yeah, so I'd love to hear, uh, what, what are your thoughts, uh, so far on the matchup heading into the second week with the Bills Bengals matchup kind of, um, for now seeming like, um, that's, that's a final and we're not going to get that, those points made up. You asking me? <laughs> yes, that was to you. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, Yeah. It's a it was a good matchup. Uh, I think I think we said that. I, I mean, I have great praise for Carl's team, obviously, and I think we kind of voiced that going into this that uh, that, was weird. Um, that it was going to be a close matchup. I don't know why my projections have suddenly dropped. Hmm. My projection for week eight. Oh, I don't know. My projection for week eighteen dropped like ten points. Don't know why. Uh, probably because of the Stefan Diggs final, but, um, yeah, no, it, it was a great matchup. I mean, I mean, if this is a regular season matchup, this is, 
uh, if we're doing Joe's awards, this is probably a matchup of the week uh, type contender, right? Uh, this is the the type that you, like, this is the type of matchup you dream of for like a championship. I mean, heavy, high scoring, close. Uh, I mean, it was pretty much everything that you could dream of. Um, it does the the week eighteen question is going to be is going to be huge, uh, both sides, uh, for me and Carl, uh, because we're gonna we more likely than not, right? Pat Mahomes and Jarek McKinnon are going to play. Uh, we don't know if the Bills are going to play. Tyreek Hill is going to be a question mark with Skylar Thompson throwing him the rock. He'll still be a must start, but still questionable. Chris Godwin is going to be a, a, it'll be interesting to see how much, how many reps he gets as well. Uh, the Bucks obviously don't have anything to play for. They're, they can't, a win doesn't do them any good. A loss doesn't do them any good. So maybe they rest him looking at Carl uh, again, the Giants, same situation. They can't do anything with a win or loss. So how many reps do, I mean, do you want to risk Daniel Jones and Saquon? Apparently Christian McCaffrey's banged up with an ankle injury. Uh, do the do the 49ers want to risk him? Uh, C.D. Lamb will play. Um, T.J. Hawk will play. Uh, and the rest, I mean, the rest, I mean, he does get the potential of having Jalen Hurts back. So that obviously helps there and has some good replacements and potentially cam acres um so it's going to be the week 18 matchup is always the one that's uh really hard to predict right because you never know who's going to be available who's not uh who are they going to trot out for for two offensive possessions and then call it quits for the day right so um it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens week 18 um and maybe this is a conversation for the future of maybe we only have one week for the playoff and end of week 17. But um, yeah, I think, I think this matchup has been everything that it's been uh, hyped up to be. And I think it's really, uh, really, you know, living up to the, to the matchup that we kind of anticipated it would be. Yeah. I think it's definitely delivered so far, Joe, I'd love uh, your thoughts on it next. Um, seeing as how we, uh, we brought you in here. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of just to backpack what what Sam was saying, right? Um, take away even the fact that the Bills nor the Bengals may even play um, one play their rematch, but two play their own game this upcoming week. But you add in it all being Week 18 as well, and um, you know who knows who's going to play for how long. Um, it's kind of tough to really say. So. Um, I'm looking at Carl's team right now and you cut you there's part of me that wonders, you know, how he almost scored 150, but there's part that uh, even thinks that he could have even done more, right? You know, 40 points from Daniel Jones. How often does that happen and what are the odds it happens again? But at the same time, 7 points from Saquon and then 5 points in his flex from Zay Jones, 10 points from Jerry Judy. You know, those guys could easily double their own production from what they had. So you don't really know what they're going to get. And then on the flip side, is Jarek McKinnon going to continue to be the league winner that he is right now? Where I'd already semi-joked, but also seriously said that Sam owes Jarek McKinnon some dirty things because <laughs> he, has, he has carried him this far and I think will continue to carry him. Uh, Kenneth Walker seems to be bouncing back, so um, it'll be very interesting. You know, we'll have to see who all plays and 
what the outlook on their playing is, but um, I don't I don't expect anything less than what we got. So it should be a uh, another another uh, one for the books. Philly, anything to add before we uh, continue on with our groovy Tony? No, uh, I mean nothing to the matchup. I think it's it is what it is. My my thought was, you know, I wonder. Um, yeah, I'm both a fan and not a fan of the two week playoff. Um, but I think if you're going to have it at any time, it should be the championship. So I, I just thinking out loud here, wonder if we should you know, investigate um, what it would be to do the first round as one one round games, and then do the semis and the finals as two rounds. That would give you week 17 would be your final week. It seems like there's still enough to play for in week 17 that, um, you know, a majority of people are going to get sat. Um, as we see that you have still several one seeds available and, um, still a lot to fight for. So I'm um, just thinking out loud that maybe that's something we look at for next year is, um, is moving that those initial weeks into, into one week. My quick thought on that while you just said that is, um, to have it the other way around, to have the, uh, play-ins the the first round second round of the playoffs two weeks but the championship only be one round right you get one chance at it right that's how uh you know the champions league does it the final is just one one game you know one and done put it all out there so uh just something to keep in mind yeah i i if i had to say i think carl's gonna win i have my money's on carl i just he's got some weird voodoo luck right now that's um everything's going his way i don't know if he i don't know what he did but he um maybe it's his potion of everlasting health that he put on uh christian mccaffrey but uh (laughs) something's going right for him and i don't see it going wrong anytime soon i don't i don't know i I still think this one is just uh just too close to call here i mean um you know game got called you know the monday night game got called 10 minutes in i mean I mean, who who's to say that Stefan Diggs, those are those are his only two catches uh, on the night. Um, stranger things have certainly happened, especially the last few weeks. He's been on a pretty, um, you know, been on a, a pretty rough stretch of games, but um, I rather doubt it. I think that game probably would have been pretty high scoring and Stefan Diggs would have been a tremendous beneficiary. So the fact that <clears throat> the fact that Sam is down four and basically didn't get um, a game out of Stefan Diggs says that I, I, <clears throat> I just, uh, th- it's a little too close here. Now, if, if indeed Stefan Diggs and the bills, uh, do not play next week then I think, um, or do not play this weekend, then I think that certainly presents an opportunity for Carl to kick the door in. But Sam, um, Sam kind of touched on it. Uh, this is going to be an interesting week for both teams where a lot of both sides, best players really don't have much to play for. Um, and this could be a de facto buy for, you know, a lot of guys here. Um, obviously in the AFC picture, the, the number one seed is still up for grabs. And that's why I think, um, the NFL is, is still going to try and make the Bills Bengals game happen. However, they make it happen. I don't know. I don't, I don't personally see a path forward for it, but just with, um, the Bills and Chiefs both being neck and neck there, um, I think the NFL is going to try and make that happen. So if that gets made up, how does that factor into the fantasy picture? Um, you know, are we just considering that, you know, as far as the the matchup is concerned, the 
week uh, week 17 matchup between the two just really doesn't count, didn't happen. Um, but I think um, you look at the rest of both sides' rosters, um, a lot of teams that really don't um, gain a lot from winning and don't lose a lot from losing, um, that could really impact uh, could really impact things here. Um, a lot of teams that are going to have, you know, basically an opportunity to have week 18 serve as a de facto bye week um, for those teams that don't earn the first round bye. We touched a little bit on um, the Giants, and obviously Christian McCaffrey is a huge part of what the 49ers are going to need in the playoffs, um, and they can't they can't win the one seed. So, do you rest him? How does that impact Carl's um, outlook for this week 18? Final week of the matchup, who knows? Um, I, I, this is one that if I have to put money on either one, I'd, I think I'd rather just keep that in my pocket and look for a safer bet elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I would not uh, not bet on myself this week. I don't know. I, I don't. I've, I granted, I've taken that position kind of all year. I really haven't bet on myself, and uh, it's kind of worked out. So you know, like I said. I'm I'm just happy to be here, happy happy to not uh, happy that we, well not happy that we didn't change uh, the uh, the you know the uh, the punishment until uh, this year when I wasn't in the toilet bowl. But you know, uh, you live and you learn, and uh, <laughs> I've learned Ethan, that. Have you ordered the uh, hot sausage yet? Oh yeah. Um... One of the one of them came in, and then Debom is coming in next oh. Monday. Oh, baby! Are you doing the full hot wings, hot wings challenge? Hmm. I know because I know we said that we mentioned just doing like uh, you know buffalo wild wings, nuclear, atomic, or whatever. Are you doing the full like legit I hot wings challenge? Yeah. So I'm gonna do. I, well, I guess it's like kind of the great value version uh, version. The the hot one season nineteen pack was like one hundred and forty five dollars, and I'm like, mm, I'm not buying that. Um, so I got like, I think it was actually one that you shared um, after we announced the punishment. It was like a thirty forty dollar one that still had like, I think twelve hot sauces. Um, and then I went ahead and ordered the bomb because that's the hottest hot sauce that I've ever had in my life. Um, and I can't imagine any of the ones in the pack are going to be hotter than that one. So. I figure uh, just to be a true glutton for punishment, I'll go ahead and order that one. So um, though the the pack came in and um, I haven't tried any of them yet, I kind of just want to go in um, untainted, unprepared. But that being said, I have had I have started to increase my spicy food intake. So the last couple of days, uh, like if I've had an opportunity to like order something hot from like a restaurant, like the other day I had like this actually surprisingly hot like spicy chicken sandwich at uh at a country club and i was like i was like all right you know i'm just starting to mentally prepare myself get in the zone there so um still waiting on an official announcement from uh from cheese on on what he would like to do how he would like to uh um participate or not participate um in the episode where we're gonna record it um but yeah i'm uh, i'm I'm prepared for it i'm ready to go um just kind of just kind of waiting for the right time here I'm waiting for the, the, the season, I guess, I guess the NFL season to officially end and probably make that an off season episode, but I'm ready to just get it out of the way. Personally, I'm not going to wait until August or, you know, close to draft time next, uh, next season to, to tackle it. I'm just going to get it done, get it out of the way and move on with my life. (laughs) You know, if, if, 
and I am obviously guilty of waiting until August or July or whatever to, to go. I don't even know. I think July or June to, to do the Waffle House. But honestly, if I could have done the the challenge or whatever from the comfort of my house, I definitely would have done it like earlier <laughs> than sooner rather than later. But, you know, the Waffle House was just like, it was just like dreading, waking, like waiting to like, decide when you're going to do it. And I was like, man, like, I don't want to do it on a weekend when it's going to be busy. And I'm going to like, there's going to be a lot of people there and I'm going to inconvenience the the staff, you know, like, <laughs> so, it, you know, there's just so many different things that, that, uh, like went into my thinking of like, I'm going to put this off as long as physically possible. But if I had to do a hot sauce one, you bet your ass, I would have done it like the week after the season ended. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, cool. Where do we where do we want to head with this episode next? Um, as far as you know, the matchups are concerned, there's not really much to talk about. Um, really, the only other matchup taking place this week is our um, third place matchup between Gino and uh, Gino and Fern, Death Taxes Kickers, Fighting House Plants, but they are tend to taking the joe and mo approach and just uh not really not really putting their best foot forward here um looks like they're only starting a flex tight end uh kicker defense and currently uh gino has a 16 point edge there um so not really much not really much to discuss there uh, do we want to jump into our quick fire questions do we have quick fire questions this week we can find some we just have to go back to some of our <laughs> older. While you're finding uh, them, I've got a, I've got a question for Joe, and I hesitate to ask this question. Don't hesitate. Just pull the Joe and I have a history. <laughs> Joe and I are now best friends, so I don't want to ruin our best friendship with and go back into beef land. We 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 we've agreed to only be beef. enemies. We are only enemies one week a year now. Yep. And <laughs> And then every other week, every 51 weeks after that, we are, we are best buds. But um, what do you have, I guess, in general, have you had a draft strategy going into drafts each year? And do you, like, <laughs> do you think you're going to change your draft strategy? Because, like, okay, so, so let, me, let, me, let me say it from my perspective. So, like, for me, draft I play. have always valued running backs really high and have tried to 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 like put an emphasis on getting a really good running back early in the past two or three years it's been really difficult to between injuries inconsistent play um like so if i'm going back i wouldn't take dalvin cook again right like like i like that i i probably would keep jamar chase and then you know looking back there's several folks like i mean getting not even to sam's picks that would have um, been better picks for me than Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook helped me in a couple tight spots, but um, there were better running backs that went later than him. And so I'm, you know, there was a there was a strategy that I was reading about going into this past draft called uh, RB zero, where you just you don't worry about a running back at all, uh, basically until you know later in the in the rounds. So I'm wondering if the past couple of years have changed how you were doing your draft strategy, if you think. Like, do you think there's still value in running backs, or do you think finding the right running back is still too risky? Like, Jonathan Taylor was the consensus number one pick, and he should have been based on last year's performance. And then this year, he's either injured or when he's performing, when he's on, he's not not doing well. 
Yeah, my so I like to think I have a framework of a strategy going in, but my main thing is just to be receptive to what's going on in the draft, so I don't get too caught up in the framework and then try to, um, you know, follow a set framework. I just try to go with the flow, figure out what everyone else is doing, and try to, you know, make the picks where I can. I mean, to your point about running backs, right? I took Joe Mixon one overall, one one overall top 11 running back not great but decent and then i had javante williams second round so uh who what could have been of him who knows but anyway um to your point i i agree in the sense of maybe running backs aren't as high value um as they were which i think the past few years they definitely have been uh high demand of running backs the top few have been you know uh head and shoulders above the rest of them. You know, it was a pretty steep, pretty steep drop off. But I think we're coming into uh, a time now where the running back pool is expanding a little bit more, maybe not exceptionally well, but it's a little bit smoother of a drop off. Um, So it's going to be a little bit better, the running back specifically, as it was the past few years. Um, I mean, but to again, answer your main question, do I have a specific strategy no um i try to go in thinking in my mind what some weak positions might be but i just try to follow um, the flow of you know what i have in the actual draft strategy um as we're going along or in the actual draft room as we're going along so uh i'd like to get your thought with a keeper and without a keeper where is your ideal draft spot with a keeper and without a keeper, where's yeah. my draft ideal draft spot? Yes, yeah. Um, I don't. That's a good, that's a great question because, kind of to go off of that, I don't know if I have an ideal draft spot. Is there, um, okay, maybe a better question is where do you not want to draft, or or is there a spot you don't want to draft? Like for well, me, yeah. I didn't I didn't really like being number two this year because I felt like. Uh, there was more I could do in the middle of the pack. Yes, I could maybe get a big talent, um, but especially with the keeper, you're, it, it, you're it's still kind of a shot in the dark. I mean, Joe Mixon um, and Jamar Chase, like those are two guys that have had good weeks and have had shit weeks uh, or have been injured. And so, I looking back at like where Sam drafted, you know, Sam went from from worst to first uh, at a, with a mid pack. Was you seventh overall? Sam? No, no, that sounds right. Yeah, he yeah. was seventh because I, I drafted sixth. And Sam Yeah, right so like, me. I just, I was, I, I think I'm leaning towards I don't want to be at the beginning. Like I, I, I might miss out on a, a big one person talent, but I think I can get a little bit more depth in my squad if I draft a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, I guess that you'd say like the polar ends, like one and two and nine and 10 might be a little bit too far away. Uh, for some people's personal preferences and that like three or four or even like six to seven just to be on the outside of right in the middle uh, might be nice. But um, kind of like I said, I just kind of take what I get. So as I'm kind of just flowing through, um, there's going to be pros and cons to every single situation, right? You can have one, but you're going to, you know, wait another, what is it? Almost 20, 20 picks before you get your second pick. Um, so, uh, obviously the benefit is if you hit on one, um, you're going to be set, 
So um, there's, I mean, there's been just a ton of the past few years. There's been just a ton of different players that have just blown up. Like I'm looking at overalls right now, right? We have Tony Pollard as the number seven overall running back. Ramondre Stevenson as nine. Um, Miles Sanders as 13, but uh, right. So um, there's just, I think there's a lot of movement in the player value pool these past few years. So I'm uh, very interested to see what the next, next season's draft will look like ranking players. Okay, last uh, Joe, question. I like your take. Uh, sorry, Billy, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really like your your take on the draft strategy. That's kind of the, the pitfall that I fell into. Carl and I, like, um, you know, talked basically all offseason about, you know, kind of what we wanted to do, what our plans were. And, like, I spent a lot of time, like, researching individual players. <laughs> and, you know, when it came into the draft, I just, like, kind of overthought things because, um, you know, I had this kind of, mental draft already planned out in my mind. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like, I I liken it to coaches who just kind of overthink things at the last moment. Most recently, like Ryan day, um, took the ball out of CJ Stroud's hands and decided he just wanted to play for the field goal when he probably could have marched in and CJ Stroud could have led them to a touchdown and and made it to the national championship. And that's just poor coaching for taking the ball out of your star quarterback's hands. And like, when I go think about the draft, it's like, you know, in the first round, I was just, I knew I was going to take a running back and I was certain that like Stefan Diggs wasn't going to be there. And Stefan Diggs was there. And I was like, well, shit, like I've been planning on a running back this whole time. You know, what do I do? I let Stefan Diggs go and, you know, he lights it up for Sam all year long. Um, second round, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to go receiver there. And in the second round, like I ended up, I, I, I got Keenan Allen. I wanted Keenan Allen and that just came back to bite me because of an injury. But, um, even still just overthinking it. I didn't think Mike Evans was going to be there. And even that would have been um, a better, more consistent option. And so like just falling into that pitfall of like, Oh, I've researched this strategy and you know, I've researched this, I've researched these players, I've looked into them. Like, this is what I want to do. But then just kind of like realizing, like I go back and I replay some of the picks, like um, you know, like the first round, for example, Stefan Diggs um, in the, the fifth round, I took Kyler Murray. I could have had Jalen hurts got picked a couple picks later um and so just like every single one of my picks there's like there was somebody available who if i wasn't just like so married to this strategy that i spent all summer kind of thinking about um season could be a lot different so um that is sage wisdom and i appreciate you for saying it (laughs) i think another thing that came to mind is we're obviously being adaptable to the draft as you go along um another crucial thing that to come can come into play is your ability to know how the rest of the teams will be drafting, right? So since we've been playing a few years now, we kind of have our own kind of trends and how we pick and, you know, what we kind of think on players as well. Uh, When you're in a league with nine random guys, you have no idea what everyone else is going to do, when they're going to take a quarterback, when they're going to take a tight end, stuff like that. So you're just kind of, just kind of trying to, do I guess whatever you whatever happens happens but you know we've been playing for a while so we kind of see each other's patterns to a degree so the better Mm -hmm. you can understand how somebody else is going to take a pick the better you can kind of make a projection for yourself um to you know hey maybe I can get this guy you know in another two or three rounds I don't think someone will take him 
here now. So um, that's another thing that I like to try to keep in mind. Hell, you know, some of y'all quarterbacks for me because I think exactly people say, hell, will, people will quarterback still, early uh, and then it starts an arms race. Yeah, I was gonna say some of y'all still uh, some of y'all still throw me off. I think I know what y'all are gonna do, and then Gino goes and drafts Justin Herbert on the like the twelfth pick of the draft, and wasn't expecting that. So you know, idios what idios. Yeah, well, yeah, that's also Gino. So uh, that's on you for not expecting it to be some. <laughs> well, I was say, this is this is the same guy that drafted Justin Tucker like sixth, six pick, <laughs> six round last year. So, yeah, I, I agree. With that. Joe, I've always kind of drafted that way too. I've always kind of um, tried to take into account who's in the draft. Um, you know, who like where I know people are going to reach, or people are going to um, people are going to look more just at like where the person's ranked versus like what their situation is like. You know, a, a person could be ranked like the seventh or eighth best receiver, but you know, if it, if, if there's three great receivers in that squad, like, are you going to worry about the the receptions or the the amount of volume that's going to come their way? So that's a, that's always been an important thing to me, and I've always I've never really done mock drafts for that reason. That I, Carl earlier when you were saying you'd like to uh, take it as it comes, I was going to say well, so the exact opposite of Carl. I think Carl is one of those people that is so set and maybe it comes from his love of the NFL draft um, that when he gets to the fantasy draft, you know, he's done 45 mock drafts and has a pretty good idea of who he's going to get. And I think he's able to adapt. Clearly he's, you know, he's been really successful in the league. Um, but I don't, I don't want to get in my head that like I can get this guy and then like Keith get in the middle of the round and go, shit, I can get the guy. What am I going to do now? Um, but the last question I was going to ask, and I guess I'd ask all of you, is what would your ideal um, lineup be in terms of how many positions or how many players we have at each position? So we currently are one quarterback, two running back, two receiver, flex, tight end, kicker, defense. What would be your ideal, um, if you're starting to leave from scratch, what would be your ideal lineup and number? As in what I want my roster to look like or what we want our how many positions to look like. So like how like how many position how how many of each position? So would you go one quarterback, two running okay. back, two receiver, one tight end, or would you cut a cut a position, um, add a position? Anybody Maybe it's because I'm so accustomed Keith, to it go. now. Oh. <laughs> Sam can, I don't know if Sam's like on a delay or something, but <laughs> we are all like five guess. seconds ahead of Sam. I, yeah, so I'll just I'll go ahead and go because Philly called me. <clears throat> um, I'll, <laughs> I'll preface this by saying I I've always wanted to do um, a super flex league with like a dual uh, two quarterbacks. I just think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I also would just be really interested to see like how it impacts the draft. Um, obviously, you know, in in standard leagues or um, you know most standard formats, you know, quarterbacks really don't tend to go. Um, you know, in the first two rounds, um, unless you have like a Geno out there um, or you have, you know, a Josh Allen type guy who can, you know, who can give you a great deal of production with his legs in addition to his passing. So I've always wanted to do a two quarterback league without having tried that. I think my ideal league, my ideal format is currently how we have it. Um, you know, one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, um, a tight end, and then a flex where you can use, um, you know, anybody except a quarterback in that flex spot. Um, that's just the league that I'm most accustomed to. And I think, 
Um, I think for the most part, that standard formatting is, um, is, you know, it, it just brings, I think, in my opinion, the most parody. Um, but like I said, I would, I've, I've always wanted to do, um, a, a double quarterback league, a super flex league. Um, so I think that would be an interesting thing to try. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I sit on it. Are you calling uh, on people, Philly? Or I'll, I'll, okay. I'll popcorn to you, Sam, since you were very eager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just kind of accustomed to the way that we have it in ours. I, I kind of like it as well. I, I've, I've played in some that have three receivers, um, which is fine. But I don't know. I think it gives good parity on the waiver wires as well so that there's still, like, really, like, you're not having to, to scratch the bottom of the barrel. Um with you know what who you're trying to pick up off the waiver wires and there's always at least one or two good players you can get on a weekly basis um i think that's also probably one of the perks of being in a 10-man league compared to a 12 i think a 12 uh, is more challenging obviously but it's also kind of shows who's the better who's the more prepared fantasy player too and who's doing the research and you know and uh, it all comes into play, but I, I think I think the, the the current format that we have is uh, my preferred format for for a league. I'll popcorn to Joe. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. I've been in a vast majority of different number of teams, as well as vast majority of different lineups, um, and this is definitely my ideal um, lineup. It's the perfect balance of you need to be good in the draft but you also need to be good in waiver pickups and trades as the year goes along because once rosters start get bigger and once there's more teams involved the um, free agency the waiver wire it's going to be less and less so it's going to be more dependent on do you get a good draft because if you don't get a good draft there's nobody there's not going to be anybody for you to pick up as the year goes on um, and to touch on what Keith was saying about a super flex league, I do want it noted uh, where I've gone, I've won two games the past two years in this league. I'm currently in a super flex league that pending this Bills Bengals uh, matchup, I currently did win the league. So mark it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let the record show. Let the record show. I, I am. I am, but I, I have 10 wins and might be winning the championship, but Superflex league, it changes how you draft entirely. I had, I drafted Patrick Mahomes first round and I drafted Dak, I think third round. So it's very right. You say super flex, um, but really it's a two quarterback league. Um, Cause you're going to play a quarterback there. So mm-hmm. your, your draft strategy has to change entirely. Quarterbacks become way more important. Um, and it's quarterbacks are going to go immediately. And if you wait, if you think you're going to wait to get one, like you are in a league like this, you're going to be wrong. And you're going to end up playing, I don't know, Mike white and Mac Jones, or you're going to play Mac Jones as your starting quarterback and have some random wide receiver as a flex. So um, again, uh, I think this, how we currently have it set up one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one flex um, is the ideal. You could argue we can get rid of kickers and defensives, but I like them, and Gino might throw a fit. So. <laughs> we, um, in the super flex that uh, Kamish Joe and I are in, um, now granted it's a dynasty, so it's a little bit different, 
because um, you've kind of dropped a little bit of youth, but I think it's still pretty accurate to what you would see in a, in a normal Superflex. Was that Cooper Cup? That was Geno. So surprised that he took Cooper Cup number one overall. Um, Justin Jefferson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. That was the first round. Um, so obviously a, a lot different than what any other first round would look like, which is typically front-loaded with receivers and running backs. You have to. I mean, you have to because you have to think, right? You're playing at least two quarterbacks a week, and then you're going to have at least one as a – as a, on your bench, right? So that's 30, 30 out of 32 starting quarterbacks off the table right there. And so if you don't get, you know, a top, at least, a, I mean, a top 10 quarterback and maybe like a, if you can get a top 15, two top 15 quarterbacks, you're in a good spot. But otherwise, I mean, like Joe said, you're going to be stuck with Marcus Mariota and Mac Jones. And that is not a recipe for success. And that league, I somehow ended up with Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Tom Brady. So I'm happy with my decision making <laughs> in a decent well, spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when well, Dak went down, oh, sorry, but when Dak went down, I had to spend a bunch yeah. of those free agency points on Geno Smith. So I was able to hit with that. But uh, I digress. Shall we? Uh, shall we get into the quick fire questions, fellas? Let's yeah. do it. Do you want to lead us on? The, they're in the agenda, Keith. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I see them. All right. All right, Joe. If you had to be a Disney character, which one would you be? Um, uh, Olaf from Frozen. What one thing is the ugliest thing you've ever seen? Ugliest thing I've ever seen? <laughs> uh, I don't know. One of those world's ugliest dogs winner competitions. Those dogs. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Uh, I like a lot of foods. I'm not very picky, but the w- thing I hate most is squash. Hmm. What is the most useless talent you have? Juggling. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is. Fine. <laughs> as like in, attractive fine? Like, I was going to say, like, as in attractive also, or, like, like, as in, like, okay? Like, both, you know, I'm indifferent. <laughs> I think it's the yeah. perfect word, both. Uh, what's a body part that you wouldn't mind losing? Uh, pinky toe. What is your last Google search? Don't me to look it up. I mean, if you want, have to. Other <laughs> than Troy Vincent, because we had to do that. Oh, so my last Google search was uh, piston bully snowcat, which is the uh, heavy machinery that ran over Jimmy Renner in his recent accident. You got it. You got it out for piston bully snowcaps. <laughs> <laughs> find you. All my homies hate piston bully snowcaps. <laughs> Line them up. Let them know. We're getting it up. <laughs> who, who, or what is your nemesis? Piston bully snowcats. <laughs> <laughs> what would you not do for five million dollars? A piston bully snowcat. I do a lot for $5 million. <laughs> uh, what would be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? A rifle? Hunting rifle? Um, would you rather live without the internet or live without AC and heating? Without the internet. 
If your pet could talk, nope, just kidding. What is the cringiest thing you did as a teenager? What is it? <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. I just know most of his teenagers something, but you don't know if you want to say it on air. <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's probably a lot, but I can't think of anything specifically at this time. If you know Joe as a teenager and you can give us insight into what his cringiest moment was, let us know. I feel like Joe has just been the same person since he's been like, you know, just a child. It's probably true. Instead of beard and everything, just <laughs> <laughs> came out of the womb, full beard, excellent, excellent head of lettuce. He was a man. He had a um, all right. If your pet Stella could talk, what would she say about you? I was about to say, are you like looking over at Stella for answers? No, I'm trying Stella. to think. I, that, I probably need to leave her alone. <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably accurate for just about any household yeah. cat. <laughs> um, what mythical creature would you believe was real? A unicorn. Narwhals are real, so I don't know why unicorns can't be real. Sure. Fair enough. Very, very solid logic. <laughs> What is your go-to karaoke song? Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually what the song is called. Yep, it, it is. is. It, it is. is. As a matter of fact, it's called exactly about? that. <clears throat> um, what sport would be the funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to? Probably basketball. Um, would you rather never be able to wear pants or never be able to wear shorts? Uh, never be able to wear pants. I don't need them often in Florida. Fair enough. That's fair. Who's the most likely to be a psychopath among your friends? I'm in a 50-50 tie between Mo and Austin. <laughs> They could go either way to either extreme of being a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I, I have no arguments there. Same. What? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's past my bedtime. It's supposed to be quick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what outrageous conspiracy theory do you think might actually seem like a logical argument? Can I pass on that one? Because I feel like I have a good one, but I can't think of it right now. All right. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back. We'll circle back. So, um, do mermaids give birth to live children, or do they lay eggs? They've got to lay eggs, right? I'm asking you. <laughs> where, okay, where do, where do the eggs come from? Where do the humans come from? From their ball. I'm not, I'm not arguing that either. I'm just saying, <laughs> where does anything come from? It's more realistic that they would have something that would produce an egg than an entire baby. Okay, uh, another question's not on here. <laughs> Do mermaids shit? Yeah. Yeah? Where? Where do fish shit from? Their butthole. Yeah. Yeah, but have you ever seen a butthole on a mermaid? Well, I mean, I haven't been looking. <laughs> Check and mate. <laughs> 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 I think I'm done here. 
<laughs> it's like, all right, I'm signing off for the night. And that's all we have for our quick fire questions, Joe. All right, so Joe, let's hear your conspiracy theory. Yeah, I thought something would come to me, but it didn't. Um, I'll probably say something like uh, either aliens would exist or something like the Bigfoot would exist. I watched a movie the other day. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Spoiler alert, if you give a shit. Uh, it's called Moonfall. Have you ever seen Moonfall? Uh, the uh, the James Bond movie? No. Nope. I've a, heard it's a, not a very I good think movie. you're thinking Skyfall. It's where yeah, the, moon, the moon falls out of the sky and it's plummeting to Earth? Yeah. Um, it's because uh, it's actually um, our ancestors were these aliens that made the moon it's like the moon's hollow and it's got like a whole mechanical thing inside of it uh, and people uh have like in real life actually believe that now like that like that movie convinced them that that well actually that's probably true yeah so it's, i can't <laughs> what it's called it's mega structures is what it's called people are actually believe now because <laughs> this stupid ass movie that mega structures exist uh, inside of our inside of moons i saw a TikTok where somebody thought that the nazis won world world ii but they just moved to the moon. There's a movie. There's, there's a movie uh, about that. A movie? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. They didn't move to the moon. They just moved to Argentina. <laughs> After they, they lost World War II. Yep. That, that, that's factual. <laughs> <laughs> Very factual. I just remember there was... <laughs> there was a... There was one tweet like during the World Cup where it was like... Uh, it was like for being a Spanish country, Argentina has a lot of white guys with German last names. And somebody quote tweeted, it was like, who's going to tell him? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. McAllister. <laughs> yeah, the movie's called Iron Sky, Joe. And the tagline Iron is, Sky. the Reich strikes back. The Reich strikes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh man, so. Kanye West probably uh, watches the shit out of that. Episode three, Revenge of the Fuhrer. <laughs> yeah. I saw a tweet today that someone had bought a book called like The Rise and the Fall of the Third Reich or something like that, and they took a picture of the front cover and were like, "I really want to read this on the subway, but I, th I don't think I'll make it." And someone said, "You just have to continually like shake your head in disgust while you read the book." <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you do something questionable, just. Hmm. Mm, I don't no, know I don't that. think so. You yeah. you know um you know that like the the prank where like somebody sends you a link and then like you open it it's got like some clickbaity title and then it ends up being like you know a loud sexual moan. Um I've been sent that and I've fallen for it so many times that now um and it works quite well so you don't have to explain yourself just laugh hysterically after it happens after it plays um and then everyone knows it's a joke. Um, so you don't really have to explain yourself and people just kind of look at you like, hmm, just um, listening to loud, aggressive sexual moans. And then you just start laughing and everyone's like, oh, OK, I know the one now. Oh, yeah. yeah I like how you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like you how you pranked. adapted not to like know preemptively that that is what it is, but you adapted to your reaction of opening it. Yeah, you know, like the normal I'm, person I'm, would have I'm, just I'm, kept their volume down. Keep your volume down. Safe. Or you know when somebody, a specific person sends you a link, you're like, okay, I'm not going to open this link. But the, no, the problem is... I, the, links left and right. The, the problem <laughs> is, yes, that, that and, like, I've gotten them from everybody. It's not like one person who just continually gets me. It's Has like, Andy Houston sent you one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Andy got me one time. 
Um, <laughs> I've been got by Andy, you, Hoke. Um, I'm sure Sam has gotten me, but I, uh, I just, I'm, I'm the definition of curiosity killed the cat. Like if you send me something, I'm going to click it. I just, I don't care. I'm like, I'm going to click that. And, uh, Oh, it's a video. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to play that. And then oh, sexual moan. I'm like, ah, good one. <laughs> got me. Hey everybody. He got me. I've been got again. <laughs> oh, well, boys. Well, so listen, um, we once again did not post, a um a mailbag but i dropped a i liked um this segment that philly put on here last week and i put a couple topic items we don't have to discuss all of them we are um now over an hour um in this episode but i put a couple um topics on here um one of them one of which we've already discussed so um the bills bangles um we've discussed that one pretty much at length but i'd be um interested to see if you guys uh if any of these stick out to you um, it looks like Sam's adding another one here. Um, so I'm open to a little quick little roundtable discussion before we wrap up. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, we going to so let Joe we'll, pick, the, pick the topic? Yeah, Joe, are you, are you in it right now? No, Mike. No. Read it off to him. Okay, so you can pick between most exciting playoff storyline – Outside the Bills and Chiefs and the AFC and the Eagles and the Eagles and the Niners. Oh, that, that was supposed to be Eagles and Niners. Uh, well, you know, the Eagles twice. There, we go. there, there, it, is. there it is. I just put Eagles and Eagles twice. So there we go. Uh, Eagles Between and the Niners. Bills and the Chiefs and the Eagles and the Niners, who's the most dangerous playoff team? And then uh, what's next for Joe's Weekly Awards? You want me to pick one or do you want me to just answer both of them? Yes. So the first one was who is more dangerous out of those four teams? No, there's most exciting third, playoff storyline. There's also a third line. one if you're interested. Most exciting playoff storyline. For like which team has the most exciting storyline? Yeah, or, or teams. If, or if the, 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 playoffs or... Are starting, the playoffs are starting to take shape. So my, my idea behind this, the playoffs are starting to take shape. I think there's only one or two teams that can still um, wiggle their way into the playoffs. It's really now just a matter of seeding. Um, and so with that in mind, um, some playoff storylines that might emerge um, <clears throat> or, you know, the, the bucks, for example, getting, you know, having an offensive explosion at the right time. Um, you know, is that an interesting storyline to you? Bills and chiefs um, with, you know, the, the one seed up in the air and, you know, us not knowing what's going to happen with the Bills, uh, Bills-Bengals game, you know, that could be an interesting storyline or just anything else that uh, comes to mind or jumps out to anybody as far as like with what we know with the playoffs so far. Is there any um, just interesting things you're looking out for? In- anything that's interesting that um, that just, just jumps out to you as a, as a fan and watcher of the game? Okay. Yeah, I didn't see it in front of me, so I was kind of confused at first. But um, I also didn't explain it really well. It was literally just playoff storyline. I'm following. That's all I put down. Um, the thing that pops into my mind first is the fact that uh, the Jaguars and the Lions might be in the playoffs this. Well, are most likely going to be in the playoffs this year. Um, not that it's specifically interesting. I mean, if do I think that either of them will win a game? Probably not. But um, the fact that they're in there, that at the beginning of the year, you're expecting them both for maybe five wins combined each. Now both of those teams are in the line for the playoffs. Jacksonville is most likely going to win the division. 
Um, I just think, right, are we seeing the emergence of Trevor Lawrence? It has a few tough years for him, but um, I think I'm just going to keen on the fact that we might be seeing the emergence of Trevor Lawrence to the great quarterback that we thought he would be. He's had a great last stretch of the season coming down, so does he uh, does he pull a little Cinderella story and make a bit of a run in the playoffs here? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. That's an interesting one to me personally. Um, that's another one that kind of stood out as far as not necessarily the Jaguars, but definitely Trevor Lawrence. Um, people were very, very critical of him at the beginning of the year. He was already starting to be giving, um, be given that, you know, that bust um, label and down the stretch, you know, now the, the narrative is completely shifted to, you know, all right, this is, the, is this the guy that we all thought he could be? Is he becoming that player? Um you know, is he going to go the Peyton Manning trajectory where, you know, his first couple of years um, with the Colts were rough, but then, you know, once he kind of hit his stride, he just went up and up and up, or is it going to be kind of a Baker Mayfield deal where um, Baker Mayfield's, I think, sec- I think it was his second year in the league was a pretty solid year and the Browns made the playoffs and then he regressed, you know, are we going to see, you know, a Peyton Manning, you know, upward trajectory? Are we going to see, you know, kind of a Baker Mayfield backslide as it's the one-off season, one-off type of season. So um, I like that one. All right, so the next one. <laughs> Outside of the Bills and Chiefs in the AFC and Eagles and the Niners, those are currently um, Eagles and Niners in the NFC. Those are currently the top two seeds in both conferences. Um, who do you feel is the most dangerous playoff team? And this is, I would love to hear from everybody here. Um, I'm just going to take the um, easy route and say the Bucks. Um, one, they're clicking on all the right cylinders these past few games. Uh, they've definitely shown their shakiness at times, but uh, once you get Brady into the Super Bowl, uh, you can forget about the regular season. And uh, I mean, it's Brady in the playoffs. Oh, I, I said Super Bowl. Once you get Brady in the playoffs, um, you can f- forget about the regular season because um, he's also he's. They're now going to be on track to uh, win the division. They're going to have home field advantage. And they could possibly be playing, what, like the Giants or the Cowboys first round. Um, and so they might have a somewhat of a simpler, easier path to the Super Bowl. And they're going to have home field advantage doing it. So um, now that Brady's in the playoffs, um, forget about everything else. It's a, it's a new game for him. Uh, the team I'm going to go with um, is on the AFC side. It's the... Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I think the Chargers are getting really healthy at the end of the year. They're getting Joey Bosa back, uh, or I think he he is back already. But having him back is huge. They can be getting uh, their stud offensive lineman back, Rashawn Slater. Uh, I mean, obviously getting Keenan Allen healthy as well has been huge, and they're uh, they're looking like they're starting to click on. And, and all the right pieces at the right time. So I, I think they could be a dangerous team uh, coming out of the AFC as one of those lower seeds that could possibly upset a team uh, in the first round. Phil, you go ahead. I'm not going to say what Oh, he's about to go say. full homer. He, I, you put your hands up. I just, I know what's coming. Go ahead. I'm not going to say it. that. Um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a team from each from each conference. So for the AFC, they're 
I mean, it's it's the Bengals. They're not necessarily that far off of the Bills and the Chiefs, but you know, obviously for good reason, Mahomes and Josh Allen are going to get the the kind of the credit there and they get the benefit of the doubt. But you know, before that injury, the Bengals were were looking good against the Bills, and the Bills have looked shaky at times. And so, um, I think the Bengals could be a team that go on a run again. They returned most of a Super Bowl roster back to the team. Um, and Joe Burrow, much like Tom Brady, is a guy I do not want to see in the playoffs. Uh, he's a guy that when he gets into those kind of must-win situations, he is locked in and focused. Uh, he's been pretty lights out, minus really week one um, all season. So I think um, and they everyone's pretty healthy on the team. So um, I think that's a team that can make a, a really deep playoff run. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the Super Bowl. Um, the other team, it pains me to say this, is the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, again, is another guy that I do not want to see in the playoffs. And the Packers could easily find themselves by seeding in the NFC Championship game. Um, they would probably play, I think what I looked at was the Bucks at home. Um, or I think it was the Bucks at home or the Cowboys um, at at uh, Dallas, and then would play the Eagles, um, and could you know very easily win an Eagles a game against the Eagles, um, and then could be in the NFC Championship game. So that's a team that has come out of nowhere. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is is hot. His he's making do with rookie receivers and and kind of no name, no name receivers, and um, is is finding a way to win. And that's again a guy that I do not want to see in the playoffs if I'm an opposing team. So. Um, those are my two. I I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with your logic, but I mean, I just don't think the Packers are a team to be feared in the playoffs because of how Aaron Rodgers just tends to disappear there. Um, you know, I think I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and I think they could be a dangerous team. But um, you know, really, the some of the reasons that you stated are exactly why I just don't think they're much to worry about. Um, the team that I'm going with here is the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys have a chance to Cowboys have a chance to steal the division out from under the Eagles. If um, uh, do they play again? I think they actually play again, don't they? Eagles play um, the Cowboys play Eagles the Commanders. Yeah, Commanders. Sorry. So um, so Cowboys have a chance to you know steal the division and take the one seed. Um, Dak Prescott has come back and he's played not great but um, pretty well. Um, Tony, with the emergence of Tony Pollard and kind of that two backfield, that two man backfield, they're able to keep both he and um, Zeke Elliott healthy through or um, rested throughout the game, and they both just have such complementary running styles and how different that they are that you really it's tough to prepare for either one of them. It's tough to prepare for both of them. You can prepare for one of them um, if there's a clear, you know, lead back, and right now there's not. Um, and then the other thing is their receivers are starting to get healthy. And um, I just, I think that that receiving core, their defense is obviously a very good one. Um, they're a very aggressive defense that can get after the passer. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to defenses in the playoffs, if you have an elite pass rush, you have an opportunity to really make some noise and they have one of the best pass rushes um, in the NFL. Um, and they've got opportunistic playmakers on the back end on their defense. I'm rolling with the Cowboys here. I know they're um, an easy punching bag for a lot of folks um, just because of their, you know, recent history of playoff duds. Um, but I think this team 
could be different. Um, and if they've got a first round buy, um, they're going to, you know, likely avoid, um, you know, the Niners or the Eagles until, um, you know, the NFC championship. And I think that could, that could be a dangerous matchup for, for any, um, for anybody. So, um, I'm picking the Cowboys here. Um, although, um, you know, going back to it, the, the the playoff duds that we've seen in recent history, they could. It wouldn't surprise me if they make it to the NFC title game. It also wouldn't surprise me if they are out in the first round. <laughs> and our last question, um, and I think this is really just maybe a larger conversation for all the content across um, the friend, across low expectations, but. What is next for Joe's weekly award? We have not seen the weekly awards in quite some time. Um, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Cheese's power rankings. Um, we haven't seen the coaches poll. We haven't seen Fred um, drop any one of his roasts and uh, his roast videos in a while. So um, maybe content as a whole for low expectations, but specifically, let's start micro with Joe's weekly awards. Um, what's been going on there, and what can we expect in the future? Yeah, I mean, obviously the main thing is just to get back on our track of doing a one a week and putting the putting the awards back out uh, weekly. Uh, just got a little bit lazy, unfortunately. Uh, just to be honest, just got a little bit lazy. Kind of uh, snowballed effect, you know, one week to the other, kind of built up, built up, and then kind of just put it all off and uh, couldn't really get around to it. Um, but obviously the goal is to get back on gear for next year to pick right back up and try to get a weekly thing going on again um, and uh, try to uh, also bolster just everyone else as well to get more contact content out there and keep the good content rolling on. I think I speak for everybody when I say we want we want the weekly awards back and the the league is better when the content is when the content is there. Can we expect a end of season awards this year? That's a that's a great question. Um, I I think yes, if uh, especially if the people want it, if there's enough hype around it, then yes. Um, the people want it, Joe. The people have spoken. <laughs> it sounds like the people have um, spoken. But yes, I'll uh, try to uh, at least finish the year on a high note, so we can go into the off season and preseason next year on the same high note and try to carry it all over. We love to hear it. Buzzy. That's all I got, fellas. I am. I think we, um, and I think, am. well, I think I Sam's been gone since about, uh, 15 minutes ago. into the podcast. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm drained. I'm working 12 hour days like the, since before Christmas break. So I'm tired. Oh, someone's got a big boy job. Oh, someone's making money. Oh, someone's got to work a lot. Yeah. Thank you. You feel good about yourself? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Tired. (laughs) I fucking hate it here. Here, this one's just for you. Just because I know you're having a tough day. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Before anyone gets too excited, we don't have a mailbag. But we don't have a mailbag. It's just to bring up his spirits. Yeah, we're just cheering up Sam. We're just cheering up Kamish. We're good friends. That's what friends do. They play the mail time sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Joe, it was a well, pleasure to have you on here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, my best friend time. in the whole world. I love you. <laughs> I miss you. It was, it was great to be back on. a little too hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I hate that I had to wait for uh, the entire season, but, you know, better late than never. Um, well, we should have had you on, what, week one uh, after you had your first win? <laughs> one or two? No, week one I lost by three points. So, something like that. So, you should have had a week two. It was just, just a, it was a sign to – I remember because I lost because we Broncos kicked a 70-yard field goal. And Broncos could have won. I could have won. Could have been a whole different year. But here we are. <laughs> That's it. Things That's are, the moment right there. Things are still Yeah, I mean, in, hind- in hindsight, we should have known Nathaniel Hackett wasn't going to make it exactly. uh, after he sent McManus out for a 70-yard <laughs> field goal to win a game. Didn't call a timeout. Didn't trust the $250 million quarterback to get two yards. Put... McManus well, I mean, in fairness, he was right not to trust Russ. I mean, Russ ain't been cooking all the, year, dude. <laughs> the clip, the clip from the Manning broadcast of that is so funny. Timeout. Call timeout. Call timeout. Call timeout. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you gotta. You gotta call a timeout here. All right. If I'm if I'm them, I'm calling a timeout here. Yeah. You gotta call. What? Why are we not calling a timeout? It's so funny. <laughs> you could you could just tell you could tell in the clip that it really hurts Peyton because he was a Bronco. He's like, yeah. what are you what are you doing? Like. Call a timeout. You, just, you know you need to call I mean, a timeout. I think he was upset because he's a Bronco, but I think it was more like the inter- – I think internally Peyton was stressed. Like the yeah, like oh, it was, the it was definitely his inner football guy. Was like, oh, no. Oh, no, we got timeouts. What are, where are we using them? It was, uh, <laughs> it was too good. But anyways. Well, boys. Well, yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for being here. Fellas, pleasure as always. Listeners, remember, keep those standards low and your expectations lower, and we'll see you next week. I'm dead fresh. I might pull up in a casket. You be looking sweet like a fucking fruit basket. Spit a couple raps. I get a check and Johnny Cash. It, I smash it. I let your mama rob my sunglasses. I don't think nobody gonna fuck with me like I do. Look at me killing it, motherfuckers. Always talking, but damn it, I'm